As we celebrate this Feast of the Immaculate Conception, it gives us a glimpse into the complete person of Mary and why we hold her in such esteem in our church and why there is such devotion to her. On this particular feast, we commemorate and celebrate two things. First, the very beginning, the first moments of her life, the conception of Mary in her mother's womb. And secondly, the dogma officially defined in 1854 by Pius IX, which was only declared after being believed and celebrated by the Church for literally centuries, explaining that her conception was immaculate, that Mary was protected from the stain and effects of original sin from the very first moment of her existence, meaning that God was present and moving in her life in the very beginning. God's grace is always greater than sin and will always overpower sin and death. When Pius IX proclaimed this dogma of the Immaculate Conception, he was referring explicitly to the gospel story that was just proclaimed on this feast. The salutation of the angel Gabriel, Hail, full of grace, is understood as recognizing that Mary must have always been free from sin, always full of grace. The early church wanted to explain in a plausible manner how God's Son, who was completely human and completely divine, how this completely human person as well as divine could somehow not in any way be tainted by sin? And their answer was that the mother of God, his mother, must too not have been tainted by sin, must too have been without sin. In the moment of her conception, full of grace, as we heard in the gospel tonight. And while this might seem some kind of like very remote theological point to us, since this only happened to one person ages ago, I really believe it has great relevance to us because we are all graced by God. God's grace pours into every person's life. We cannot dismiss this grace that comes upon us. So as we honor this day, Mary, the mother of God, under the title of Immaculate Conception, we recognize this. Of course, it's rare to find this in all in one person. But we are all called to cooperate with this grace in our lives. The next moment in Mary's life as we move forward in this story and in this season is the story of the Incarnation, which is introduced in this gospel as well. Just as God entered into Mary's life, God enters into our lives as well. Our response to this movement of God in our lives must be like Mary's, one of recognition, humility, openness, 
welcome, as well as the same all around us, respect and dignity, this grace in life, in the earliest moments. And are we not struggling with this so much right now in our world? The recognition of grace infused into human life and respecting that. Mary in this story of the Incarnation was gifted with the Word made flesh in her life. And as we listen closely to this gospel, we hear that the angel did not ask Mary about her willingness about all this. He announced, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. No, God did not ask Mary for permission. Startling. I think sometimes we're too often worried about, well, do I have permission, you know, to do this? God, give me permission. You know, no, no, no. We're all worried too much about ourselves and all this all the time. God acts. God acts. To save his people from their sins. God wants to continue to act in our lives. And we have to cooperate. He doesn't force us. He never forced Mary either. But we have to be willing cooperators with this grace. It's a very good feast, too, to ask a very important question. Why do Catholics make such an important point about what we call the virgin birth? Because it tells us something very important about our faith. Namely, that humanity cannot redeem itself. We can't. Human race can't produce its own redeemer. Sin and guilt are so profound, profound that our Savior must come from the outside. The church celebrates then the final journey of Mary's life with her entry into the fullness of God's kingdom, the end, what's called the Assumption, promulgated by Pius XII in 1954, 100 years later. As with her beginnings that we celebrate tonight in the Immaculate Conception, so too at the end of her life, God fulfilled the promises he made to her at the beginning with a special place because of her great role. But she's not alone. We too will have a place as we fulfill our call. Mary is so important because each step of the way, she shows us the way. Her life can be summed up with four simple words that are found in the scriptures, four simple words tonight in the gospel. Fiat, fiat, be it done according to your word, fiat. And then right after that, magnificat, for what you have done. My soul magnifies the Lord. And then after Jesus was born, conservabat, she pondered, pondered all these things in her heart, reflected upon them, and then stabat, 
stood at the cross of Jesus. And we're called to echo those same words on our Christian journey. God calls all of us to say those words, fiat, be it done according to your word. And to ponder the movement of God in my life. And then to proclaim it the way we live. And is there not a soul or a heart not pierced with suffering as was Mary's? And like Mary, we wait and trusting to see God's purposes unfold.